Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody. Hey. I am Carol Ann. I'm Matt. Welcome back to another episode of Booze and Confused. And it's not a me episode, so this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. So disclaimer for today's episode, it is currently pissing rain outside, uh, with the rain hitting the window incredibly hard. So maybe it adds some ambiance to the episode tonight, or uh, maybe it's just incredibly annoying. I guess we'll see which one it is. I can only hear it if my headphones are cranked all the way up, which they should never be fully cranked up if they're on your head anyways. No, you can never get your hearing back. You should protect your hearing at all costs. You can start by stop listening to our podcast. (laughs) Step one, stop listening to this shit. All right. Uh, Before we get into today's very interesting episode, some housekeeping items like always. And if you already know them, you can skip forward 45 seconds and get through it. Um, The first one is uh, we are on all your favorite social media. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter. Um, I always appreciate the DMs uh, on Instagram. Facebook is not really as... um, I guess, interactive. It's a little bit harder, but um, always enjoy the messages and the memes that you guys send. So keep sending them. If social media is not your really your thing, um, which is fine because I feel like it should not really be anybody's thing, uh, you can send us an email at boozingconfusedpodcast at gmail.com and uh, I will return an email to you within one to three business days. <laughs> Just kidding. I uh, would probably be so happy to see your email that I would respond immediately. So um, the next item is if you like the pod and you want to support us, the best way that you really could do that is by leaving us a review and uh, following and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I used to always say like Apple podcast is definitely the most important, but you know what? F them. F them because... They might hear you. They might hear you and demonetize us. We don't make any money from this. We have no sponsors. We have no ads. We do this for fun. Which brings me to our next thing. Uh, Here's a word from our sponsor. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have any sponsors yet. Hashtag 2022 goals. Looking at you, Amazon. Oh, my God. No. Absolutely not. I'll avoid peeing for hours on end. Just pee into a, a pee bottle. bottle. Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll have God. a pee bottle. Yeah, so actually we were talking about Jeff Bezos's um super yacht. Super yacht that uh I think the total uh size of it is like just under the size of an acre of land. That's like maybe a good comparison. Uh or not if you're not an American that measures things in acres. And um yeah, I'm sure that could hold at least like two or three pee bottles. 
on the super yacht. So super pee bottles. Super pee bottles. Uh, and the last item for us today. What are you drinking? Just a neat glass of Maker's Mark. It's disgusting. It's a way of life. Nothing makes me gag faster than the smell of whiskey. Fun fact, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's my favorite. Yeah, I used to um, I used to really hate beer to that amount. Um, I've since gotten over that, and I absolutely love beer. I don't think that will ever happen with whiskey. Never in a million years. It's all right. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, certainly. Um, in my cup for tonight, water. Where are my hydro homies at? Because <laughs> I realize um, about the first, uh, I don't know, uh, 75% of my day is all coffee and caffeine. And then towards the end of the day, I'm like that uh, SpongeBob um episode where they are visiting sandy or he's maybe it's just him it's just him visiting sandy for the first time and his helmet's off Uh uh-huh uh-huh and he's all like dehydrated water yeah that's me towards the end of the day so here's a reminder drink your water i always drink water before i drink coffee actually i don't do that all right well oh oh yeah i think i think it's i think it's all you oh man Okay, well, uh, since I think I'm all out of existential threats. Oh, for, for now. For now. Give me a few days. I'll, I'll find a Yeah, one. something else will come up in the news, I'm sure. Um, I was trying to stay kind of in the spooky, uh, Halloween-ish uh, time of the year that we're in. I, I tried to pick a topic that was kind of in that ballpark. So uh, there's a haunted uh, mansion that is located in New Orleans. And it's uh, one of the most famous ghost stories out of New Orleans, actually. And it takes place on Royal Street in the French Quarter. This also coincides with a serial killer. And her name is her name. Her name. Yeah. Equality. I'm all about equality. Yeah. Uh, Her name is Madame... Delphine LaLaurie. I'm ready for this. Uh, A.K.A. Madame Blanc. A.K.A. Marie Delphine McCarty. Ooh, McCarty sounds real. Irish. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah, we got a lot of French, a lot of Spanish, mainly French stuff Mm -hmm. going on here, though. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so long story, not so long, there is this ghost story about this haunted mansion and the mansion's not actually standing anymore but the uh, placeholder is uh, this the story talks about a woman named marie uh, she's from new orleans she is uh, born into money and she is is uh, infamous for the way she treated her enslaved uh, people and so her story is kind of blown up into some kind of myth and the line between what is fact and what is fiction has kind of blurred or faded a bit. Uh, so I just kind of went all into it and I have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, actually, any fans of American Horror Story may remember uh, Kathy Bates playing La Lori 
during the coven season. Kathy Bates is just one of my all-time favorite actresses. And I actually really loved the season of Coven for American Horror Story. So, I think my favorite one was Roanoke. I also really like, and you know what's funny is I think those are like two of the most controversial seasons in terms of like you either like it or you just absolutely hate it. I don't know. Isn't Coven uh, spoilers uh, the one where Stevie Nicks kind of just shows up and starts singing at yes. the end of the story? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. The show gets weirder every season. Yeah, I feel like that's just what they thrive off of, though. Like this, this current one with like Macaulay Culkin uh, and the meth head vampires, uh, it's super weird. Yeah, yeah, a little strange. It's it's like the show is becoming self aware, like too meta. Well, yeah, I mean, it this season's about writing a show. Yes, it is, and uh, they get super meta and they talk about like Hulu. And Netflix. And Netflix. Which, I mean, I, like I know FX has a thing with Hulu. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it talks about a guy writing uh, for shows and taking a drug. And there's vampires who are also meth heads, and, but also Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, who um, plays a really good drug addict, so that's fine. He's a natural. Yeah, exactly. He's a natural. Uh, so anyways, this um, this young woman, Marie Delphine, she was born into a wealthy family in New Orleans on March 19th, 1787. Marie Delphine McCarty's family had a 1,344-acre plantation by the year oh, 17... Shit. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, massive. By 1794. Uh, her mother who won't be in the picture for too long in this story, was known to be uh, quite the party thrower. And these parties would go like crazy late into the night. Uh, lots of shenanigans, um, long, long nights partying, uh, prank-filled nights, uh, kind of became the norm for the McCartys. Uh, that is until Marie Delphine's mother passes away in 1807. So her father... Uh, quickly moves on to have relationships um, with other women, uh, most notably a a woman named Sophie uh, Musanti. That might be a horribly pronounced. It's close enough, and I'm sure Sophie won't say anything. So maybe it's like like Musant because it's French. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, Sophie was a free woman of mixed racial background. Um. Allegedly, this is pretty common practice for the McCarty men. Uh, this article I checked out called GhostCityTours.com uh, oh so eloquently said that Delphine's father, uncle, cousins, and associates contributed to the development of biracial free people of color. Interesting. So they were helping. <laughs> uh, so... The women involved with these men were categorized as concubines and continued to have children with the McCarty men. This was like a legal terms to like make it legal. <laughs> Just like writing your own laws. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so uh, at this point, I kind of start calling her just Delphine uh, because she's known as like, like Madame Delphine. Uh, she was almost 14 years old herself when she became betrothed to her first husband. 
That's disgusting. Yeah. That is disgusting. His name is Ramon Lopez y Angulo de la Candelaria. And he was an officer of the Spanish crown and a recent widower. How old was he? Older. Ew. Older. You see, Ramon lost his wife due to a forced move from Spain to Louisiana. Um, he didn't want to go when he went. He said it would be easier if he waited like a month. And he lost his wife on that on that trip. So he had harbored some hard feelings towards the, the uh, Spanish crown and seems to have made some less than favorable moves, uh, opening up human trafficking in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which was uh, frowned upon by the Spanish crown, uh, at least until things had become more stable in the area. It was on the table to do, just oh, not yeah, yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, Not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not like, oh, no, they're people. It was like, we're not Be- ready Bad for timing. It we're not yeah, ready bad for planning. It okay. So, um, now pregnant with her first child, Delphine was waiting for her hubby in Havana, Cuba. Uh, Ramon didn't exactly make it back. Uh, as he died on January 11th, 1805, when his vessel hits a sandbar. Oh, it's always the sandbar. Always the sandbar. So Marie Delphine gave birth to a baby girl. Uh, She had her baptized, and she made her way back to Louisiana, which was now under American ownership. Yes. Louisiana Purchase. Yes. So about two years later, Delphine marries an older Frenchman, uh, his name is Jean-Paul Blanc. So she's like, what, 16 now? Yeah, 17-ish. about them. Uh, this guy seems to have had a big plan. Uh, he was a big-time businessman. He was involved in the slave trade and politics. Uh, he also knew how much Delphine was worth and how much money she'd received uh, as an inheritance from her mother's death. Furthermore, Delphine had a plantation on the Mississippi River, 52 enslaved people, livestock, and farm equipment. Then Daddy gives her even more property and another 26 enslaved people. So Jean-Paul Blanc, using his own wealth and the wealth acquired through Delphine's marriage dowry, purchases a townhome. And by 1815, they have four children together. Plus, they're raising the eldest child from Delphine's first marriage. Less than a year later, old man Blanc kicks the bucket, and 28-year-old Delphine has to figure out his estate, which has accumulated over $2.5 million in debt if we look at it in modern money. Okay, so it's $2 million, like, right-now money. In inflation. Yeah, okay. So for the next 10 years, Delphine auctions off whatever she can from Blanc's estate, uh, enslaved people, property, assets, etc., etc., etc. And so during an auction, she actually manages to buy a piece of property from Blanc's estate and make it her own. Uh, furthermore, she retains some of the enslaved people of this property. Uh, mysteriously, eight of the enslaved people died over a five-year period while under the ownership of Delphine. Uh, most were children or women of childbearing age all reports claim the cause of death are unknown Uh, i'm just gonna throw that out there um that's maybe important for later i feel like i'm almost even shocked that they would have like reports of 
like death for enslaved people given like how little they looked at them if you if you understand what i'm saying oh like as people no yeah. it's it's more yeah. of a like property yeah okay that's maybe yeah i don't, yeah, know. I don't know so i guess on to husband number 3 uh, possibly the worst of her marriages uh, although none of them sound too stellar then again nothing sounds too stellar from like the 1800s yeah no every part i feel like so many people are like oh my god the victorian era is like so romantic, romantic. and oh, like time pieces oh yeah like i'm gonna be honest this show was probably hot as hell with all of the like layers of dresses and everything none of that sounds fine and then like did they have running water where they Nobody, could bathe every day? You didn't even know that, like, washing your hands was important before doing, like, an operation. Yeah. Like, no, nothing sounds great about the 1800s. I'll leave it at that. So this is where we get her last name, LaLaurie, uh, because she ends up meeting a doctor named Louis LaLaurie. Uh, he comes into the picture in 1825, and by this time... Delphine was an older, wiser, wealthy woman. How old is old? Like, like 35? 38. Okay. 38. Uh, so Dr. LaLaurie had come from France to pursue a career in what we'd now call chiropractic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Dr. LaLaurie had assisted in straightening out one of the backs of Delphine's children, and a romance begins. Oh, wow. Mm. Funny how that works. Funny how that works. And so by the um, ripe old age of 38, Delphine becomes pregnant with Dr. LaLaurie's child out of wedlock. <gasps> the horror. No. no. I said horror, not horror, but I realize it's kind of... Horror. You can't... Yeah, I've got... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. So they moved to get married and they figured out property and finances and stuff and Delphine had given birth to her sixth child and of course having a child out of wedlock had some negative implications on her social circle um, you know but we move on so now 40 years old Madame Delphine and her 25 year old husband are leading good for her <laughs> no. good for her no she's bad she's bad they have a horrible marriage. Uh, friends of theirs have letters mentioning their tendency to, quote, fight, separate, and return to each other, end quote. Uh, curiously, some of these letters uh, make mention of how cruel Madame Delphine was to her enslaved people. She purchases uh, a lavish property, but by November of 1832, Madame D., moves to file an official separation from Dr. LaLaurie, claiming that he was abusive and even beat her in front of her children. I gotta be honest, I didn't think that you could really, uh, I don't know, like just divorce that easily back then? Uh, I think the formal writing was removal f from bed and boarding. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> mm. So the young doctor fights this, but after like five years of legal battles, he concedes and moves out. He moves to one of the other parishes in New Orleans. Just a quick reminder, I mentioned the deaths of 
many young enslaved people under the uh, ownership of Madame Delphine a little bit ago. Uh, it's 1833, and it is said that Madame Delphine chases a small 12-year-old enslaved girl off the roof of her mansion. Wait, off the roof? Of her mansion, yes. Oh, shit. You and I were just talking about this like before we recorded, and I somehow missed the uh, off-the-roof part. Oops. Whoops. Uh, so this young girl, whose name was Leah, was apparently brushing Delphine's hair before this incident. And so the, the brush caught a snag on some tangled hair, uh, and this agitates Delphine. And so she grabs her whip and begins to chase this poor girl until she falls to her death. Off oh, the roof. my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, so to uh, quickly, you know, move on with her life, Madame Delphine looks to hide the body of young Leah, uh, but it was quickly found at the bottom of a well. Well, she didn't do a very good job. She didn't do very well. Didn't do a very good job. So Delphine was forced to sell a number of her enslaved people. But, get this, she secretly made arrangements to have her friends buy them who would then give them back to her. Oh, my God. You know what? She kind of sucks. Oh, this is not even the beginning. This is only the beginning. Sorry. So she sneaks them back into her home and tortures them relentlessly until April of 1834. And this is where I think, like, everything just, like, blows wide open and uh, myth and fact kind of blur together. Um, This all ends in April because a fire breaks out in the home on the night of April 10th, 1834. The lavish mansion, though beautiful and extravagant, held a disturbing secret. Madame was not just a cruel slave owner. She had a torture chamber where she took great pleasure in implementing ungodly acts of torture upon her uh, enslaved people in her upper room. Uh, An enslaved cook claimed responsibility for starting the fire. She was chained to the stove by the ankle and set fire in the kitchen as a means to commit suicide. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, she wanted to end the suffering that she was uh, enduring from uh, La Lurie. Holy shit. So the fire starts and police and fire marshals arrive in time to save her and many other enslaved people trapped in this hell house. Also, I just have to imagine that like trying to burn yourself alive is probably one of the most like painful and like slow deaths that you could have. This that is, is holy shit. This that's is only terrible. gonna get worse. Oh. This is only gonna get worse. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um when the police and the fire marshals came to help her, she claims the slaves taken into the uppermost room never come back. Oh god. So the fire's gathering, it's it's building up. It's not like the entire house is on fire. The kitchen's on fire. Um and as the flames take over the house, more and more onlookers come to watch or to help. Uh, and by help, I mean save furniture and other, like, objects like that. Yeah, of course. Uh, some upstanding citizens sought to make sure that any enslaved people stuck in the slave quarters were evacuated. Um, when they asked for a key to 
unlock the door, uh, Dr. Lalaurie, who was present there at the time, replied, There are those who would be better employed if they would attend to their own affairs instead of officiously intermeddling with the concerns of other people. Yeah, that's okay. It's a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about my key. Yeah. You do Look, you. I understand that the house is on fire. This is my fire, not your fire. You know fire. what? Yeah, go tend to your own fires. So some things get a little iffy here. Lots of reports, this and that. But fair warning, this the remainder of this pod will be just gruesome details of what is found when they eventually break down the door to the serving quarters. So fair warning, uh, gore, body damage, very brutal stuff. Um, so a key was not provided. So bystanders break down the door and what they found shocked them. Quote, seven slaves, more or less horribly mutated, suspended by the neck with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other, end quote. Uh, and they claim to have been there for months. Oh, my God. What? Mm-hmm. Furthermore, a woman wearing an iron collar, an old woman with deep wounds on her head who was too weak to walk, uh, there were also reports claiming that enslaved people were emaciated, had shown signs of being flayed with a whip, bound in restrictive postures, and wore spiked iron collars to limit head movement. Uh, once things had been made known, the crowd began to destroy the Lalari property, letting things burn and throwing the belongings into the flames. Um, so this is again kind of where like the story keeps blowing up uh by 1945 so we're well outside of this moment and we're going to jump right back into the moment uh but some details became way more explicit uh and this is pretty brutal so it is alleged that lalaurie had a quote sadistic appetite that seemed never appeased until she had inflicted on one or more of her black servitors some hideous form of torture, and claimed that those who responded to the 1834 fire had found, quote, male slaves stark naked, chained to the wall, with their eyes gouged out, their fingernails pulled off by the roots, others had their joints skinned and festering, great holes in their buttocks where the flesh had been sliced away, their ears hanging by shreds, their lips sewn together, intestines pulled out and knotted around naked waists there were holes and skulls where a rough stick had been inserted how much more do you have because i don't know that i could listen to the rest of this oh, that was the end oh my god so yeah uh, horrible stuff horrible stuff so during the chaos of the fire and the discovery uh an angry mob uh, begins to form and Madame LaLaurie escapes via stagecoach. Uh, she was carried away to the docks of the New Orleans Navigation Company. And from this point, it was a mystery what happened to Madame LaLaurie. She seemed to have just vanished. That is until she runs into American poet William Cullen Bryant on a 
boat on his way to France. And so uh, he writes in his memoirs that he runs into this beautiful French woman known as uh, Madame Delphine Lalaurie. And it seems that the news of her cruelty followed her because Bryant makes note of knowing that he like knows her story. And so she ends up escaping to Paris. She had gone to Alabama for a while to lay low and then took a schooner up to New York and then from New York sails to France. So she lives in Paris with her husband uh, until he got truly tired of her. What happened to any of their kids? They um, are (laughs) still in America, and they end up uh, taking trips to see old mummy and daddy. Oh, oh, that's nice. Okay, sorry, go ahead. I think only one of them's Dr. Lollery's. The rest are the other married men. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so she ends up living in Paris and escapes um, any kind of justice or judgment that she would have had from the discoveries of that night on um, April uh, 10th, 1834. So, yeah, Dr. LaLaurie gets truly tired of this woman who apparently did nothing but complain, and he leaves her. The rest of her family eventually makes their way to Paris, and she lives with them until her death on December 7th, 1894. Now, the... Um, results of this fire, the the home uh, sits pretty much untouched as no one wants to fix it. It's, it's like a blemish. So it, it had a number of uses over its life, uh, but now uh, I, th- I think it's just like a, like a landmark. It's like a haunted mansion now. It's like a big tourist location, a, a tourist uh, spot. Uh, and it's, it sits there to this day. And the rumor is is that uh, Madame Delphine Lalaurie haunts this uh, spot. I mean, I could, I could see it. I could definitely, I don't know. I could definitely see it. Yeah, uh, I mean, there are some rumors that some of the um, gruesome descriptions of of, of torture are not belonging to her, but to some other women from Europe, which is where the whole, um, the myth, the legend, the rumors get spread around a bit. But yeah, it's a, it's a bumping tourist location in the heart of New Orleans uh, would totally go to this haunted mansion um, just to like try and punch the ghost. I want to go to NOLA so badly. Um, but then I heard that there's cockroaches everywhere. Hard pass. Not on the cockroaches. I don't care about cockroaches, but hard pass on NOLA in general. Why? It's below sea level. Yeah, true. You know what's below sea level? Hurricanes. Oh. Fish. I'm not a fish. I'm a man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that whole story is truly fucked up. It's gruesome. That is awful. It's gruesome. It's, it's horrible. Um, torture chamber in the mansion classic classic move there are again some rumors that uh, the the torture did not really start until she was married to her third husband dr lalaurie 
and that she was uh, kind of kind to her enslaved people. But um, I'm going to call shenanigans and say yeah, I'm gonna call no bullshit. amount of marital misery would lead someone to torture people in the uh, gruesome manners that I described uh, a little bit ago. Yeah, that's not a marriage problem. That's a you problem. No excuse for that. Not at all. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're going to leave it. Um, it's a very spooky. Yeah, it's just gruesome. It's not spooky. It's 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 pretty barbaric. Um, but would definitely, if I were to ever make my way to New Orleans, would definitely go and try and find this spot. I'm going to look it up because I'm really curious. And I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't really like done a deep dive on this before. Yeah, it's the uh, La Lurie Mansion. Yeah, I'll have to give it a gander. Is like the the building itself still standing? Is there a building? Hard. Yeah, th- there's a building there. It's okay. It's, it's a tour spot. Okay. You can you can. Well, walk I don't know. It. Maybe everybody's walking on some fucking grass or something. I've no, done some ghost tours like that. No, it's on the corner of a street in the French Quarter. Very descriptive. Like Royal Street. I don't know. Royal Street. I'm not a New Orleans person. Okay, yeah. Royal Street, French yeah. Quarter. Okay. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, go look up some pictures of, puppies. I don't know, puppies and cats. Sheep. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. I guess so. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all.